Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six and Out podcast. Uh, welcome along to episode number six. Uh, we are back to talk a bit of Asia Cup. Uh, with me today, we have uh, my two Aussie friends. Uh, Brett, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, just a nice, uh, easy Monday night over here. Yeah, how are you going? Uh, doing well. I've got my, uh, for the folks who watch this on YouTube and see my, my, my red mug that makes regular appearances, I've got my coffee. Um, so it is Monday morning here for me, early morning, but uh, ready to get ready to get going. And Arnie, how's your mood today? I am good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me, guys, and good to see you both. Um, yeah, uh, Her Majesty the Queen's funeral today, so I was running a little bit late today, so apologies as to that reason why, but yeah. Good. Good otherwise, guys. Good to see you. Peter, so the listeners so. wouldn't have known that, mate. You just dubbed yourself in. <laughs> That's all right. That's, uh, I like telling the truth. <laughs> maybe he's trying to take. Uh, maybe he's trying to take credit, like David Beckham. David Beckham is in is in the press this week for being an, an average guy and and waiting to pay his respects in the papers, and he got great press for it. So Arnie, maybe you're maybe you're trying to garner some of that uh, that good press. Um, <laughs> comparing you to David. No, Beckham. I just think uh, I just I thought I'd just mention it because it could be you know one of those moments of where were you when the uh the queen was buried or went through a funeral we were here at six and out podcast that's where we were <laughs> <laughs> yeah the queen is dead long at the podcast um okay uh we're going to talk about asia cup today um so the asia cup wrapped up about a week just over a week ago uh we're going to run through uh the final and uh, sri lanka's success pakistan's um fell falling short in the final what factored in there and then we'll look back at our our predictions so as I kind of kind of mentioned, uh, Sri Lanka, who kind of upset the pre-tournament tournament odds to claim their their sixth tournament, their sixth Asia Cup, actually, just behind India on seven, uh, which is remarkable when you consider the fact that Sri Lanka only really became a, a true test-playing nation, what was it, in the late 80s, like early 90s? So quite remarkable there. Um, just in terms of the way their tournament kind of started, they had an awful loss to Afghanistan, looked very average. Then went on to win some tight games through the rest of the group stages in Super 4. And honestly, we can maybe start here. Went on a little tear at the end and, and perhaps the easiest game or the most comfortable game from their perspective looked like the two games against Pakistan in, in the final Super 4 game and then the, the, the final itself. So um, what, maybe we start here. Brett, what, what impressions did they leave you with post-competition or what did you take away from, from the Asia Cup from a Sri Lankan perspective? Yeah, I, well, first of all, I was I was rapt to see him win. Like, obviously, we spoke about it before the Asia Cup and how it was a, a bit of a sort of kick in the guts that they had to move the Asia Cup away from Sri Lanka and uh, it would have been a great shot in the arm for their country with uh, some of the stuff that's going on sort of economically over there. Um, so really happy to, to see him get over the line like it... Uh, I, I've got a few mates and a few sort of ex-colleagues who, who were Sri Lankan and I, I flicked them all a message the day after the Asia Cup final and they were all over the moon. I reckon two of them hadn't slept. I, they'd just been partying. So I, I was very happy to, to see him sort of get a bit of a just rewards. It was just probably a, a little bit unfortunate that they didn't get to lift the trophy in Sri Lanka where the final was supposed to be. But overall, I think we we probably all still acknowledge 
from a, a pure top end talent line. They're they're not quite at the level of your Indias and your your Pakistan's, but what they <laughs> what they do have is a, a pretty deep side, and they'll they'll keep coming at you like there's lots of you look at some of their games. They post sort of one seventy, one eighty, yeah. but it's like three or four guys getting thirty. There's not one bloke hitting seventy, and everyone chipping around them. It's it's yeah, just sort of consistent decent scores rather than relying on sort of any one individual yeah that that's what the that's what the numbers suggested when i looked at them afterwards there was kusal mendes rajapaksa uh one other batsman i can't remember the name of but they were all kind of sitting in the seven eight nine slot of number of runs scored in the tournament um with every other team having somebody kind of bar bangladesh having a team kind of or a player above them uh, in terms of that um arnie what about you what what impression do they leave you with i mean do you uh, do you fancy them heading into the world cup more than you had previously um given the asia cup win absolutely i mean um i guess you we're going to do a bit of a recap later in terms of our predictions but i didn't really rate them um at the beginning of the asia cup and i must admit yes my my impression of them as a i guess as a complete team unit rather than a bunch of individuals as i guess what you guys were hinting at um i i i have a really good very you know, a much more elevated impression of them and i do feel um this asia cup win other than you know as, as brett mentioned as well wish it was back in sri lanka but i think it does absolute wonders for, for their team their confidence but also their form going into the actual world cup itself i think there are a few notches higher i guess uh, if you want to call it uh, if there's any kind of rank uh, the, the ranking or ranking system or the or the ladder i'd like to think that um you know yeah good red hot go i i just don't think uh the way that i viewed them um uh yeah i know that maybe not in india like you say or uh, pakistan but i'd say that i don't know dare i say in the top top five teams I just think they're, they're quality. Yeah, I think they're real quality. Yeah, and I think so, yeah. I think when they go to the World Cup, they'll they'll like we're kind of alluding to now. We still think that India and Pakistan, and, and most people I think would agree with this, on paper are better sides. And if you were to rerun the Asia Cup tomorrow, I think we if we were to do predictions again, we'd probably still pick India. I I might switch my my pick from India to Pakistan based on what I saw. Um, but I, mm. I I don't think I'm going to be running to to have Sri Lanka as my favourites for the world the World Cup. What I do think that they have, and um, it makes it, it makes them kind of, it's an admirable quality in, in a way, and they kind of, they're a likable team in this regard. Is that they they do have a couple of of stars in the bowling department in Thishana and Hasaranga, um, but to Brett's point, they they don't really have the the superstar in the batting department. It's it could be one of five or six guys. Um, mm. across you know across the innings that are kind of chipping in with 20 or 20 or 30. Um, Rajapaksa, Rajapaksa's uh, innings in the final, probably one of the luckier innings in a, in a, in a final in a competition I've seen in a while. I think he was dropped two, three times. It, it was a bit of a circus out there at times, but like Brett alluded to, supposing to have the, or proposed to have the, uh, the Asia Cup in Sri Lanka, obviously with the unrest there, they couldn't have it. And I couldn't help but whenever I was watching the the final or throughout the tournament, they kind of cut away to tourism Sri Lanka adverts, and you realize that you know you see a lot on the news about 
the folks standing outside their parliament or whatever it is and the kind of the protests but jesus they have some they have some country to themselves in terms of their natural beauty and that, that you know they, they're a country that clearly relies on tourism and this was a, a great advertisement for them and i hope that it does kind of buoy the country a wee bit because um they deserve it i mean they look yeah, like they're too. a great a great side and a great a great nation so that was great a great nation to visit can I just uh, quickly uh, 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 add something there? Uh, and you both alluded to it. Uh, we've got um, a lot of superstars in, say, India and Pakistan, using those two countries as examples. Uh, but I think one of the, the things not to be underestimated is the, the pure strength of, well, it's a team game, right? Cricket's a team game. And the fact is, um, we you guys alluded to already, there could be five or six people that could kind of carry the team, but effectively what they're all doing is they're all working together so that um, a whole innings is, is, is literally placed together rather than trying to rely on, on one or two people like a Rizwan or whatever. Um, so I think that in itself is a very powerful setup for competitions, more well, like the Asia Cup and the upcoming World Cup. I just thought I'd allude to that, the fact they're working as a team because this is a team sport. Yeah. yeah. And, and if, really you could, well. if you could imagine that dressing room after their first loss to Afghanistan, where they were pretty much wiped, Afghanistan pretty much wiped the floor with them, to go in there and understand, right, we have a, a knockout game against Bangladesh, which was a, a difficult win, a tricky win, and then to have the mindset to go, all right, well, let's go beat India, and let's go beat Afghanistan and get revenge on them, and then let's go beat Pakistan twice, including in the final. Um short short-term memory for sure that's clear that they have that but yeah you have to have a strengthened team to be able to to bounce back from that and perhaps maybe in other sides where you would have the uh the the drama queens who are the superstars of the game it, it may be a little trickier to to pull that kind of a i guess a team uh atmosphere out of that that after a tough loss to a side i i still think they would have fancied themselves beating afghanistan i still think going into that first game they wouldn't they wouldn't have thought back afghanistan would have given them the, the trouble that they did i think it was an opener for a lot of folks but yeah you're absolutely right aren't you? um what about pakistan then uh look strong throughout the whole competition like i alluded to the fielding blunders in the final have pro probably cost them the game would you agree with that, Brett, or are there other areas? I mean, the, some folks pointed to Rizwan and his innings, but um, do, you, do you think that they would still be comfortable coming out of the Asia Cup, given even given the, the loss in the final? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, for me, um, given I think they're probably going to be better suited to Australian conditions than the conditions in the UAE, um, they they still probably cement themselves in my mind as either favourite or co-favourite with the Australians. They're they're going to add or likely add Shaheen Sharafridi back into that that side, and it's going to give them a, a genuinely scary bowling attack. Particularly when you consider they also had the luxury of uh, not having to go cap in hands in Muhammad Amir and and bring him into the squad either, who is currently dominating the CPL. Um, I think we got a little bit more clarity around the, the question marks in their middle order. And it, it revolves around that team aspect and they do have guys in sort of defined roles. Like someone like Asif Ali, he, he's just locked into that sort of number seven spot. 
Um, he, he's a finisher. He comes out. He he's only going to bat five six balls, but uh, he, he knows his role in the side. But they are still very reliant on uh, on Barbara Azam and Rizwan. I think they made the final, which is what we pretty well expected without much contribution from Bubba. I think if he if he hit form and then sort of Coley-esque form and some sort of resurgence, that'll be very, very hard to stop. Yeah, I think you had, in our breakdown about India, which is in our last podcast, if you want to go listen to that, the point you made around in these competitions, you do have to have a bit of luck. And then in one sense, they they didn't have the luck with Babar out of form. I mean, he averaged 11 in the Asia Cup. He came in in red hot form. They basically didn't have a contribution for him. So in terms of, of um, the luck factor, there was that. There was also the the fielding in the final, which I think if they held a couple of catches, they win that match. Even even with Rizwan's, um, Rizwan's strike rate being particularly low in the, in the chase. Um, the other thing that stood out to me was... Uh, and we talked about this um, in the India pod a wee bit with their struggles in terms of replacing their top tier talent is you're right, it, it's not only the fact that they didn't have to go to Mohammed Amir but there were actually lads queuing up to get in that team uh, whenever uh, mm. Freedy went out. I mean uh, you had Nassim Shah who was in the, the side already um, but they also had uh, uh, Harsh Rauf there who's a, a stalwart of their, their bowling unit uh, and then uh, brought in from the uh, Oval Invincibles, um, uh, Mohamed Azni Hasni, and as well, who I I think he's in the, the squad to go to the World Cup. I just wonder if Mohamed Amir wouldn't be a better choice. I know that there's the the politics around that and the the history of the with Salman Butt and all that kind of stuff. But I just I, given how he's performing the CPL, I think he probably would be a better option if you want to go win that World Cup. Um, but yeah, they they do have speeds of talent that can step in there in the bowling department which is impressive um yeah arnie uh, what what impressions did they leave you with post post final um you you'd pick them to win the win the asia cup actually you still be picking them to win the world cup you think um i do although i think um what it's taught me a little bit more I, yes short answer i still pick them to win the world cup um however what after the asia cup it's sort of just helped given me a bit more visibility visibility to some of the vulnerabilities, right? Which is, you know, the over-reliance on those top two batsmen, Baba and Rizwan. And I can only imagine they still made the final of the Asia Cup, but if Baba was firing uh, consistently, yeah, maybe. And like you said, there was a few blunders uh, uh, by Pakistan in that final game. So, you know, I think they had every chance potentially to win it, but they, they, they lost it. But I feel that... Um, yeah, just some of those vulnerabilities have been, expo- I guess, more visible to me. Um, and I guess maybe, yeah, that 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 that's my biggest um, learning from it. So yeah, you, you make yeah, but I still want, I still believe that they. I still feel that they're favourites, but that's just me. Yeah, with the Freddie coming back, I think, yeah, um, they're looking looking really good, and I think they can work work as a team, um, similar to the Sri Lankan flavor but yeah yeah the um just wasn't there maybe one of the things that's overlooked as we go straight talk about the final and the fact that sri lanka kind of beat pakistan a couple of times that, that that's what i kind of focused on when i thought about um mm. thought about this for the pod is actually 
Pakistan had a, speaking of the luck factor, and a kind of a lucky win against Afghanistan, uh, where they had to hit their number 11, had to hit two sixes, uh, or number 10 and number 11 had to two, hit two sixes to win that game. And of course, there was all the, the drama after the game in the stands. And so they did pull one out of their arse, you know, so to speak, um, <laughs> to, to make that, yeah. to make the help make that final. It would have been more interesting with uh, India losing uh, to Pakistan, trying to make up the um, trying to make up the numbers for net run rate and stuff like that. But um, yeah, they they had their luck go their way. They had their luck not go their way in certain certain circumstances. I agree with you at the top of the order. Um, Babar and Rizwan are so crucially important to that. If they don't have a good tournament, I don't think there's a chance they win. That's I, it. I do have confidence. It's a vulnerability. In, yeah, but I do have confidence in Rizwan. I mean, he was golden bat for the tournament. Um, he looks kind of unshakable. Like the pressure, the pressure of chasing to him didn't chasing and and the run rate going up and the strike rate, the required strike rate that he should have been batting at in that final, um, particularly in the later stages, it didn't look to face him at all. Um, could be a concern. In in some ways, it was, in, could be encouraging that they're they're self assured that they can get the job done under m- many circumstances. Um, would, would, would either of you have it be, be critical of Rizwan's batting in the final? And I saw some comments that kind of blamed him for the loss. Um, not, not so much specifically that I think as a team, they weren't overly fussed with that strike rate just purely because no matter how bad the situation got on a whole bunch of games right across the Asia Cup, particularly the games where the final was played, if you won the toss, bowled first and chased, you won. Yeah. I think they just yeah, had in yeah. there. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll catch up later. Like That's true. That, I think they yeah, worked the from that. Like, which is very calming for a team, I guess, if they truly just believed we, uh, yeah, we're back second, we're chasing, we're going to win. Uh, maybe that uh, that sort of overall team psychology it may have helped may have helped them um yeah, yeah. The, i agree with that i didn't feel particularly fussed but yeah, yeah. about pakistan there was well, a moment in the one. game there's a moment in the game where i think it shifted and i for life of me i can't remember the name of the the sri lankan bowler but he was a part-time spinner and it was like over 13 and the over was bowled within 60 seconds it was a really 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 quick over and it was one over, four four runs, no wickets. And it was like gone in a flash. And I think that's the moment. Rizwan was still in the time, but that was the moment in the final that I thought to myself, oh shit, this is that that's an over that is gone. There were four runs from it. And no they barely Pakistan kind of barely even acknowledged that in their in their batting. Um it's it's mm. well, we'll pull up the, the the player in a second, but it's something that I think Pakistan someone I think Pakistan should have kind of targeted. Um, but maybe we should, maybe we should be giving more credit to the Sri Lankan bowling unit and the likes of Tikshana and Hasaranga and the folks that kind of residually support them um, to 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 kind of build that pressure. They still on. had to win it. I agree. They still had to win it. I mean, as much as you can say, Pakistan potentially could have lost lost that game. Uh, Sri Lanka still had to go go about it as a team and win it. So I think, yeah, you're right. Give them give them that credit. They're due they're due that credit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, anything else to add on on Asia Cup in terms of Sri Lanka and, and Pakistan? No. no. It was a good. It was a good series. 
I I enjoyed it. I enjoy. I have to more mm. more generally across all of the the teams. I really enjoyed the fact that the the seam bowlers were were very impactful. I didn't think that was going to be the case. That wasn't the the message that the media or the press or the the experts were given prior to the Asia Cup. It was kind of all spin and all all short boundaries and big hitters and stuff like that. So that was really refreshing. Um, I do think we'll get to this in a second. We're going to talk about our our kind of breakout player, but I think Afghanistan have have put a big stamp of authority on the cricketing world going into the World Cup. Um, any any other? Maybe we'll we move over to our predictions and go through those for a second because um, we did we did uh, a couple of weeks ago through throughout a couple of uh, predictions for the Asia Cup. Uh, each of us were asked to uh, pick our winner, uh, our golden bat, which is the most runs, and our golden uh, ball. So in no particular order, Arnie, I'll go through yours first. You picked Pakistan, so you fell very short in the final. Um, uh, You had Chahal as the golden ball. I think he ended up with four or five wickets, so off the pace there. And then Babar Azam, who a lot of folks would have had him as the golden bat in the beginning, but naturally kind of fell quite well. He was well down the list, average 11. Um, uh, So I I don't think you picked uh, names that were... Egregious. I don't think you, there were bad selections in there, but it just didn't come together. I, I played that stuff, but I was way off in the end. But uh, look, I was happy with the Pakistan. They, they at least got to the final dance, you know, which was expected, as you guys mentioned. Yeah. Um, they were expected to be in the final. They just needed to do one more. But um, look, completely hats off to Sri Lanka. But yeah, and so they're all their own predictions. Well, I, I think, I think. We'll get to World Cup predictions. I'm sure some start, stage down the line. I think those would still that Pakistan, Chahal, and Babar combo could still be very valid. <laughs> come that point in time. So, um, Brett, you'd you'd picked India like myself. Obviously, we know what happened there. Kohli, that was the call. I think that was the call of the tournament from you. You're welcome, India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good call. Cool. Unfortunately, it still goes down as a cross because he was five runs behind Rizwa. Yeah, I think I think there's a little asterisk beside that one, saying acknowledging the form that Coley came in with and just how it kind of it was a it was a fairly ballsy call. I mean, if you were to pick a, if mm. I was to pick a, an Indian to be top um, top run scorer, I, it probably would have been Sky. Probably would have been Rohit, someone like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. no. Massive hats off, and like yeah, the prediction needs to be, yeah, be uh, as you say, needs to have an asterisk and give a little bit of context and background. Like you say, given the form of Coley coming into the competition and that history, um, the prediction, Brett, like massive, yeah, hats off again. I don't know what, what words to say there other than given, you know, you're five runs off, but if you had got got those five runs, uh, Imagine the call. You would have said, you know, like uh, you, you just crystal balled that. Like, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you? Well, with, with that's one right. Like how, it'd be like, how'd you know that? How'd you know that, Brett? But it's like you literally got to give you the credit for that. Like, literally, you, you pretty much picked it. <laughs> Five runs. You, you got to give that. You got to give it to him, right? <laughs> any, any, sorry, go ahead, Brett. Going to say we'll strike off those five runs with the extra game that Rizwan had. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah. Rizwan, Rizwan averaged sixty, so it's quite. It's, he really, he really did. Uh, I mean, the the century against uh, was it Hong Kong? Was that who he hit a century against? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
what, what did, well, here, let me ask you this. What, what do you put his return to form down to? Is there any, anything in particular that you saw? Because we, we talked prior to, prior to Coley's 100, I think. Um, we chatted and kind of had... Um, no, I think, I think his 100 was against Afghanistan, actually, in the Super 4. And we had chatted and kind of talked about how his runs looked a little bit nervous up until that point. He made runs. He, he, he definitely contributed. The team was probably the strongest batsman, maybe aside from Surya Kumar Yadav. But um, do you think he's, he, he looks like he's fully back to his best now? Are you going into the World Cup with a bit of fear for folks that are facing Australia and a Kohli coming in at three? Yeah, I think there was a good chunk of that. Having... Like we said, he had been a little bit nervous, just a little bit scratchy. But I think the more the ball hit the middle of the bat, it didn't take long for him to get get his groove back. You could almost see it, like ball by ball, in the innings that he hit a hundred. You almost see it ball by ball of it just coming back and him going, "Okay, cool, I'm back." And then by the end of it, he was just taking the absolute piss. Like yeah. he was, <laughs> he was back in that mode. Like when he was genuinely dominating one day cricket and T Twenty cricket, where he could, yeah, it felt like he could hit any ball wherever he wanted to. Yeah, but that's the point. Um, I'm also having a good think about now, and I can't come up with the answer, obviously. But what what were the bunch the bunch of key turning points or variables? that had him come to form in, in these bunches of games versus however many months of not quite getting it right. I mean, I don't even know. You, you can't put it down to one thing, but even if you put it down to a collection of things, I still scratch my head. I mean, I, he just he just played himself in a form. I yeah, don't know. I, 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 I think there's a bit, of, there's definitely the X factor of it's just timing. Um, I think that time away, I mean, he spent like a good like six weeks away from cricket and didn't lift mm-hmm. a, a bat. And for a man who had captained his country for so, like quite a significant period of time under significant pressure from the big, you know, the biggest cricketing nation in the world, that that has to factor in. And what I'm excited to see at the World Cup is a Kohli that is back, that is in form and has none of that peripheral pressure at all. Mm-hmm. That's a scary yeah. prospect. And uh, it's it's exciting. Uh, much like Ibra, I think mm-hmm. that Craig is a better place whenever Coley's playing well. He he, I like the spicy side to him. I like the fact that he gets in people's faces. Um, I, I like just, it when he's not quite Australia. <laughs> <laughs> He'll happily have him smash England around the park. He was one of exactly. those guys. <laughs> like him is the kind of player. And you get him across all sports. You'd love to have him on your side. Yeah. You hate playing against him. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That player was. I, oh, I we all want to see that player was Shane Warren for a long, long time. Whenever I was growing up, like you admire him. Maybe, maybe, maybe at the end of his career, you could more, more, more in the middle of his career than the end of his career. You would just admire him and think we every every time he got the ball in his hand, we are screwed, and there's nothing we can do about it. But I wouldn't have it any other way. You know that kind of that kind of feeling, yeah. Yeah, I, I know where you're going. It's um, we've got great cricketers around the world. You just want to see them all fire at the same time because then it's it, you want the game on factor, and no better way than having it in the World Cup. So you want your Kohli being awesome. You want 
I guess you want all your superstars being firing. You want Baba to also be firing. You want you just want game on, absolute game on from all sides. Hammer and Tom, close finishes, yeah, because they're giving it their absolute best. They're in top form. Um, well, going from that spectacular call to one that fell flat on his face, Brett, you picked Ashwin as the as the uh, the golden ball. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to answer for your sins on this selection. Dude couldn't even get a game in the end. <laughs> you could argue that he probably should have ahead of Chahal, who bowled like a, not the Chahal that bowled in the IPL, but uh, particularly with Jadeja out, I, I thought that was a, a bit of a, a Monty to, for him to get a game. And yeah, they just, they went a different way. It was, uh, I think he bowled pretty well when he did on the opportunities he did get, but uh, yeah, not when you only played two or three games for the, the whole tournament it's pretty hard to to win the bowling yeah yeah you're right um yeah i mean it's a bit it's a bit strange because uh, you mentioned i'll just focus on chahal for a second because after the ipl he he, he chahal was the golden uh or took the most wickets in the in the ipl and there was this sentiment that i saw on twitter of how did we not take this individual to the world cup last year like he wasn't even in the squad, and here he is. He's taken forty-five wickets through the IPL. Um, didn't look didn't look great uh, in 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 the Asia Cup, and I just wonder if if he is one of those was one of those guys who is fantastic in the in the franchise cricket league where it's not teams stacked with oodles and oodles of top tier talent. Um, but the thing is, you know, Ashwin can get it done against those guys. He's done it for a long time, especially in Test cricket, especially in ODI cricket. And I kind of the selection was a bit mind-boggling when when Jadeja did go down because Ashwin does offer you the bat as well. Um, they chose to bring Akshar in, but uh, he offers something with the bat. Um, do you think he would play more often in the in the World Cup? Um, Ashwin potentially, potentially with Jadeja not uh, not coming up. I I think they'll be okay. tempted to play Ashwin. The more I think about. The, the sort of relevant sort of performance of Chahal in comparison to the spinners who did bowl well in the Asia Cup. And it, it probably has a similarity to your point about it was good to see the seam bowlers come before a bit. The pitches didn't really take crazy turn. And Chahal, being that little bit slower, relies on a bit of turn. He probably didn't adjust to the the conditions to be able to push them through. Like you look at the players that were successful, you guys like Shadab Khan and uh, Nawaz from Pakistan, mm-hmm. Mujib and, and Rashid from uh, Afghanistan. They get the ball through the air a bit quicker, um, bowl a little bit shorter length, a little bit less flight, and get the ball on here. And I think that was probably the secret to bowling spin in the Asia Cup. Even Hasaranga does mm-hmm. get the ball through it. A reasonable pace the same with Tikshana. so all those spinners who did bowl were like it wasn't like it was a world cup that you couldn't be successful as a spinner i just think in hindsight chahal didn't adjust to the conditions and probably bowled a little bit too slow and a, with a little bit too much flight but, yeah, but I, I don't think he i don't think he gets i don't think he can get a a pass on that I mean, the guy is yeah. the guy's experienced. He's he's got the yeah, a, a side with the more money in the bank than anybody else, more analytics in the bank than anyone else. They're looking to lose games. I somebody will have told him speed it up, 
get her through the air quicker. Yeah. Less flight. Just didn't happen. If they didn't, they should be fired. Like it was, <laughs> I think, yeah. the longer the tournament went, the more clear it got. And mm. I think they were just banking on on him coming good at some stage or getting some pitches that were ranked turners. Um, Question. Because like, even when he's successful in the IPL, the you could bowl that a little bit slower because the pitches, particularly through the middle and back end of the tournament, do tend to take mm-hmm. quite a lot of turn. Like the the quicker bowl, the quicker spinners are are still successful over there. But um, when you can toss it up and and let it grip, um, you get like you, you get that extra sort of benefit, particularly as a leg spinner. That's not to say I don't think he will be successful in Australia and we'll get to that when we when we eventually talk about some of the, the key factors to winning winning games of cricket in, in Australia. But uh, and I think he's got some of the, the tools there, but it'll it'll be an important series for him to to bounce back. Like there'll be a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Like yeah. or a billion people riding him. Agreed and yeah, to stay in this yeah, just mm. and just to add, like Hasaranga finished second in the IPL uh, in terms of wickets taken. It was kind of a two horse race to see who was going to take that uh, most wickets uh, title. He finished second in the bowling uh, in 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 the Asia Cup. Uh, now, we obviously, had more games played than Shahal, but uh, he 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 perhaps showed that he can adjust to to different uh, conditions mm. there. Sorry, Arnie, you were going to jump in with a question. Uh, yeah, I, I just sort of had a question. Um, how much um, international experience um, outside of India, like playing on different pitches and all that, um, does Chahal have? I mean, and, I mean, I, I hear what you guys are saying. It's it's very clear that maybe he's just struggled to adjust and, and execute. Um, but could it be down to just, uh, again, I, I, don't, I don't know the player that well. So is it the fact that he just played a lot of his cricket in India and less of it internationally and on, on other practice on other pitches? Or is a question, right, guys? Yeah. Do you guys know or? What? Sorry, go ahead, Brent. So I'm not sure on the, the actual answer in terms of how much cricket he's played outside of, outside of India, but it would have to be a little bit. And... Like, I guess without trying to, to lump all those countries in, in the same boat, the, the conditions in the UAE shouldn't have been too foreign. Like, you'd understand, okay, maybe he's played a lot of cricket in the subcontinent. He goes to Australia or South Africa or somewhere that has vastly different conditions and struggled to adjust. But I don't think he should have struggled that much in what should be fairly familiar conditions. I, I know he was included. Because the IPL was played there last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. The IPL was played in the UAE last year. So again, he shouldn't be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But what? Sorry, Barney. Uh, he, he was in the. He was definitely in the World Cup squad. Uh, the the ODI World Cup in 2019. So he was in that squad, okay. uh, which was in England. Uh, so he's definitely bold in conditions there. I I tend to think of him more in an ODI. Uh, manner than I do in a T20 manner when I think of Chahal as an Indian bowler. Um, but he's got spades of experience from various franchises in in the IPL. Um, 
So I think his experience playing against top tier talent is is there. Um, yeah. Just had a bad series, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, I maybe we're being too hard. I'm being too hard on him. I I still I still mm. think he's the best spinning option that India have available. I still think he starts. I still think he's in the squad and the team. Um, just just perhaps expected a little a little more of him. Um, so that that was anyway. Moving on, Brad. That, that was you. You'd India, Kohli, and Ashwin. Uh, I had India as well. We've obviously covered that. Rizwan was the only one that any of us nailed. So I'm going to take my my victory lap on that, even though if it was only by five runs over over Coley. Um, <laughs> he was averaging, like I said, sixty. Just had an incredible tournament. Has an inc- had an incredible twenty twenty two in general. Um, will be interesting to see if he can keep that that pace up. And then I had Hasaranga, who actually finished second in the wickets behind uh, Bhuvanesh Kumar. So. Uh, a couple more wickets than I would have would have slotted that one, um, but for a while it wasn't looking good for Hasaranga. Through the tournament, he kind of adjusted, as we mentioned, and and ended up being very effective for uh, for Sri Lanka. Um, any uh, anything anything there maybe before we we move on to talk about the the breakout player of the Asia Cup? No, well, let's yeah. get on to. It. So you, yeah. you, sorry, Brad, were you going to jump in? I jumped the gun. No, you're right. I was going to say, no, nah, I think we've, we've pretty well covered most of that. Grant, um, you, you asked us a question whenever we were doing our predictions of who's going to be the breakout player, who's going to come, come out with an enhanced reputation. So in hindsight, who are we selecting in that department? Brad, I'll go with you, go with you first, given that Arnie looks like he's pondering uh, something very, very deep uh, over there, like Socrates or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there are there are probably two that that are right at the top of my list, and one, one's probably a little bit more established than the other already. But um, I'm gonna go with Gerbaz from Afghanistan. I think that some of the innings he played. And that, yeah, some of the scores weren't necessarily the highest scores going around, but his ability to get Afghanistan off to a flying start in the majority of the games that they played is is something that's going to be really handy going forward. And I, I think it's probably going to be a good little earner for him in terms of a longer-term career. He should be getting some attention from some of these uh, T20 leagues because someone who can come out, hit the ball that well, score that fast, like he, I think his average for the, um, his average might not have been quite so high for the tournament, but his strike rate was up over 160, yeah. which is insane. So we're, um, yeah, I think he, he's the one for me, I think. Yeah, okay, some other batsmen did outscore him, and I think he wasn't, it didn't even finish the series as the highest run scorer for Afghanistan. But I think overall, coming out like he probably for me summed up the most sort of enjoyable thing about watching afghanistan which was just how genuinely fearless they were playing against some of these big sides like he just didn't care like first ball first ball of the match first over of the match and i don't care i'll hit you out the ground yeah like and and when you're speaking about the franchise interest there, to, totally agree with you. By the way, and and more more moreover, Afghanistan really enjoyed watching them overall. They'll be fantastic if if anybody is going to Australia for the World Cup, try and get an Afghan game. Like you'll you'll have a great time watching them. 
Gurbaz can keep can keep the uh, keep Wicked as well. I I think I think a really great option if you're have if you're if you're a franchise cricketer or franchise cricketing um, team and need a pocket rockets uh, wicket keeper style bat you know batsman. Uh, very much agree with you there. He was fantastic. So on that note, uh, Australia play Afghanistan in Adelaide, so I'll be uh, heading along to that one for sure. There you go. You can pay your respects to him. Supporting, I was going to say, you're going to support the Afghani player. Uh, I'll wearing your Australian jersey. <laughs> I'll uh, just wander down to the boundary and uh, show him a, a couple of digital collectibles. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, okay. Arnie, do you ha- do you have a, a breakout player or someone you enjoyed watching? I- I don't. I don't. Other than again, the stock standard stuff is obviously. I was ple- pleasantly, well, a little bit shocked, but ultimately pleasantly surprised to see Coley just kind of come um, back from the dead. I mean, it was e- extremely enjoyable to watch throughout the whole series. So I know it's a bit of a stand- stock standard uh, comment, but haven't really given it that much thought. But he did stand out for me. Like it was really just really enjoyable to watch throughout throughout. Wait. You think so, about enhanced reputation. That was his first. That was his first ever T Twenty Hundred. So that he he's checked the box in the in the legacy department there. So I don't disagree with you in terms of Coley's obviously a big name, mm. but our reaction to whenever Brett said Coley's going to be golden bat, I mean, I wouldn't say jaws hit the floor, but it was like, wow, that's that's a big that's a big call given where he's been the last twelve months. That's a big call. Yeah, that's right. You're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming, but clearly you weren't. <laughs> Um, I think mine yeah, would no, be. That's it. Yeah, my, my, mine would be. I, I, it, it's kind of tricky to pick one in the de- batting department because there were a lot of big names near the top, uh, Rizwan, Sky, Kohli, um, and then the batting department for Sri Lanka. We've already talked. It was kind of twenty here, thirty there. I think um, this guy. This guy was certainly on the radar before the World, before the Asia Cup. But Nazim Shah, I think, yeah. given the pressure that must have been on him or the expectation that must have been on him he's he's 19 years old first of all uh shaheen afridi goes down he's the leader of that bowling unit nazim shah had never played a t20 international before he'd be, played a few tests he played a few odis and he commits into that side his first ever odi or his first ever t20 against india Four overs, two for 27, and your first two wickets are KL Rahul and Surya Kumar Yadav, who was in fine form coming into that. Um, I think I think he comes out with an enhanced reputation. Uh, I, I said I didn't want to pick Pakistan to win it because Shaheen Afridi went out. If I could revise my pick, we played the Asia Cup o- o- uh, over again. Nazim Shah gives me the confidence to put them at, at winning, that, winning the Asia Cup uh, based on his performances. So um, yeah. a little wonder kid that they've got there. I'm glad you you went with him because he was the second that I was tossing up. Yeah. Um, just yeah, seriously special talent, and I think just the amount of wickets he got bowled yeah. with like pure raw pace, and but also showed an ability that I didn't really know he had to swing the ball. You bowl on sort of 145, 150k outswingers. Like, good luck trying to face that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 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 And the the other guy who I mean, there were a few a few bowlers that made the most of that. Bhuvanesh Kumar, who who took the most wickets, is obviously extremely skilled in that department. 
Um, but yeah, a ninth for a 19-year-old to be able to have the ball on a string like that with pace, scary stuff. Uh, while we're on that, I think the honorable mention from my side would have been Faruqi. I think his, especially mm. through the group stages, um, yeah. showed a, a phenomenal, like again, ball on a string type stuff. Um, and it goes along with that sentiment of Afghanistan being um, kind of the the monster under the bed that nobody really knows about and are ready to to, to ruin your World Cup uh, in October or November. Um, yeah, actually, good point. Yeah, Kumar, I didn't know a lot about. I must admit, I learned a lot about a bunch of players in that in in this Asia Cup. And yeah, you're right, Kumar, Kumar, great bowler, great bowler. I didn't really know that much. I'm learning a lot about a lot of cricketers. Uh, through all these competitions, but yeah, I yeah, I like Kuma. Can we give a special honourable mention to the Hong Kong cricket team as well? Because well, we're right ahead. Yeah, that's a Hong Kong. Uh, I, uh, I'm, it's not my national side, mate. But I certainly <laughs> uh, have a growing soft spot for for these guys, and uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just wondering, given my um, uh, my my location now, how much exposure. Will I actually get to their cricket? Um, I'm going to try and explore that one a little bit more. But yeah, honourable mention to them. Just the fact that they they even made it to the Asia Cup. Um, I think um, I haven't got a lot of press, so I thought I figure you know give them a bit of a pat on the back. The boys tried their best, and they, they would have uh, just been beside themselves. Um, what playing against perhaps all their heroes um, in India and Pakistan? I mean, can you imagine, right? Um, so well, anyway, I think. Yeah. They- Presented Coley with a signed shirt after their match against India. Like, yeah, particularly talking a team of semi-professional cricketers, like they've all got a day job. Like they were, they're all Uber drivers. They were just um, absolutely awestruck by playing yeah. against someone like Coley. Yeah. So yeah, it's honourable mention for those guys because yeah, they they literally are delivery drivers and. Uh, they have to hold a job. They, uh, some of them haven't even seen their uh, unborn children. Uh, on the fact they've just been touring so much and building up all their cricket, and I think it was uh, their last sort of bunch of games against Zimbabwe before they made the Asia Cup. So um, good on them. Good on them. I just give them a special mention. Yeah, and here they gave India a run for the money. I don't think anybody had had really given Hong Kong a, sh- a shout at all yeah. in that game, but that that game. Didn't go the full length, but it. If Surya Kumi Yadav hadn't gone a bit nuts at the end of that game, that was a very, very, very close game. So, yeah, fair play to them. Um, it's great shot, Arnie. Um, okay, so look, we'll shut down the Asia Cup because we have some other big news to talk about. The Australian captaincy, uh, Aaron Finch officially resigning the T Twenty captaincy. Our our resident Nostradamus, uh, Brett over here, who predicted Coley's rise. Predicted Finchie's demise in that. God, that's an awful rhyming. I apologize for that. Uh, Finchie's demise in the in the last podcast. I swear I didn't write that down. I, I promise you that was not planned. Um, uh, in the last podcast, uh, said it was popular to be to be reeling on on Finch. So I want to I want to pause for a second before we get into the the why now and how does this impact the World Cup and all that kind of stuff. Um, from from two Aussies, what's his legacy for you? Because Australia have a have a long history of having their captains be, you know, on the Mount Olympus of their of their cricketers. I mean, if you go back through the last little while, Steve Smith, right? He has his, he's had his issues. Steve Smith, one of the greatest batsmen to ever play for Australia. 
uh, Michael Clark, fantastic batsman, fantastic leader, Ricky Ponting, Steve Waugh. I mean, you go through these names and they are on the Mount Olympus. Does Finch make the Mount Olympus? What's his legacy for a, as an Aussie cricketer? It, when you look at his record, I think as a, as a limited overs player, you'd have to say yes. He's like, yeah, I'm just looking at a list of most hundreds for Australia in one day internationals. I read some of the people below him on this list. Adam Gilchrist, Steve Smith, Matthew Hayden, Michael Clark, Dean Jones. So you taught Greg Chappell. He didn't play all that much. Well, he played half the amount of um, one day as that, that Finchie did, but there's only three people above him on the list. And it's Ricky Ponting, Dave Warner, and Mark Waugh, who mm. I think would be probably well deserved to be up there. Probably walk up starts in uh, if you were picking an all time Australian one day 11. I think the only he did tend to sort of score runs in bunches, like. He did have a few rough form trots through his career. Like every time it seemed like, oh, Finchie's out of form, he's he's going to uh, potentially lose his spot here. And he, like back before he was the captain, you're, you're going to, like he, all of a sudden he'd hit 100 and then he'd hit sort of 300s in the next five matches kind of thing. And he'd just go on these unstoppable tears. And, but the Warner-Finch partnership... I think is probably number two in uh, sort of Australian one-day international partnerships. And I don't think you can you can sort of deny his record. 1700s, that's, it's only one behind Warner and Mark Waugh. Ricky Ponting's in a, a league of his own with 29. But uh, an average of 38, strike rate 87, I think. It's... I don't... Not sure how he can be that good, but still get the sense that he's perhaps a little underrated. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, when you read those numbers out, they surprise me. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, 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 mm. I, I mean, the the only other thing that I that I thought of apart from, well, actually, let me ask you this question: What does his test career look like? Do, do we need to do we do we need to really only consider him in a in an ODI limited overs? manner is, is is his test career kind of auxiliary to to his legacy yeah i i you probably don't even really call it a test career to be honest <laughs> like it was, uh, that's harsh. I, I must say he's uh he, he's almost like lost yeah i must say that you mean you mentioned the word test and finch in the same sentence I had to really think about that one because, yeah, he's a little bit lost in all that for me. But then I had to recall, yeah, he did play some tests. But, yeah, you're right. I only, re I only remember him in the short. I really, when I hear the word Fitch, I just think of him in the short form, you know, yeah. of the game. Well, he, he, uh, he, it is a good point because when you talk about, like when we think about, okay, the all-time greats of sort of Australian batsmen, you're talking Ricky Pontings, Matthew Haydens, guys like that. Um, who got it done in test matches and in both. limited yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, like both formats. So, is, and that's probably why he lacks the polish. Um, yeah, his 
you know, a bit, a bit less As a genuine limited overs batsman and even captain, I, I think he has to be right up there. Like if you just look at it sort of objectively and isolate it just to the, the one day, mm. uh, one day and T20 kind of sort of aspect of his career. But he just doesn't have that same prestige as the real top end guys who who got it done in two formats or three formats in some cases. Yeah, is he perhaps then yeah. the, the the one of the first examples of the the upper echelon of cricketer that specialized specialized? So you, you, I, while you were saying that, I was trying to think of other examples of do do other teams have examples of guys who have led their country. But not really dotted done in all forms, and actually the name that uh, he's not going to retire probably anytime soon. But the name that came to my my head was Joss Butler, where Joss Butler just couldn't couldn't really get it done in in Test cricket for England. But he's one he's he's one of the best, probably in a, in a world eleven, and has been in a world eleven for the last two or, two or three years. But so maybe he is. It's a great take actually. About maybe he's a he's the first example of an, an Aussie captain who specialized and. Um, Maybe a sign of things to come, where uh, you have had these guys who who are fantastic for T Twenty mm. and ODI cricket only, but you know what? We're gonna we're yeah. gonna stick with um, David Warner and uh, Usman Khawaja as our openers in Test cricket, and you can mm. stay in in your yellow jersey over there with your white ball, and that's fine. Mm. Well, it's moving that way though. You're getting more specialist players, right? Yeah. The, 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 oh yeah. yeah. It, would it's just would Alan Morgan be another example? Great example, Arnie. That's actually the perfect example. Um, yeah. Different, different style of batsman for sure, but uh, that's a that's a perfect example actually. Who was that one, sir? Uh, Owen, Owen Morgan. Morgan. Yes, yes, hundred yeah. percent. Um, uh, what about you, Arnie? I mean, like, what what do you think think about Aaron Finch? Do you think about the World Cup? Yeah, win what comes to your mind? It's really interesting because I go, I gauge more my view of the world of the cricket world based on just my emotions and kind of what I've seen. But I really, that's what I really love talking to you too, because you guys bring the stats, you bring the factual context to, to it all. And all that stuff you've just mentioned, Brad, it just it wowed me because I was a bit like um, Craig. I, I didn't realize some of those stats, and those stats are, are pretty impressive. Um, but if I just go back on again, just to my emotions and just what I've seen and my feeling of, of Finch, um, number one, I think he's an amazing leader because if you look at all his accolades, he's he's been able to take the Australian team to trophies and and yeah, just accolades. Um, as the as the individual batsman, you're right, you'll have patches where he's in brilliant form. But for me, I respect him more at, based on his leadership and his captaincy in his ability to sort of somehow galvanize this the Australian squad that he gets given to to to, to win matches win tournaments but less of less on uh, I guess I have I don't want to use the word less respect but I, I I don't tend to look at him more as the the, the class batsman I see more as a, as a class leader and a class captain um and and lastly um I just feel that a bit of the polish on on, on Finch um, is the fact that perhaps he did play on for a bit too long. His captaincy was still um, welcome then. He still managed to pull the team together for, 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 for good victories and all that. But maybe maybe he was just around for a little bit too long. That's just my feel. And because there are, uh, 
plenty of others who could probably step into his place, but he probably just stayed around too long. That's just my view on Fitch. Well, I, th- uh, I think as, as a summary, a lot of people and a lot of players ended up in that in that situation in their career. Rarely do people get the. I mean, you, you, there's maybe two or three I can think of. A couple of Aussie bowlers like Warren and McGrath went out on the, on on their absolute not their absolute high, but on a high compared to any other bowler. I think of Alistair Cook and I think of Steve Waugh. I mean, the the, the 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 list is kind of short in terms of folks who went out on absolute high. So I don't think that's uncommon. But you raise a nice point around Finch was a captain was captain at a time for Australia when the organisational side of things and the structure of Australian cricket was very much in question. I mean, they were going through a like. You, you you watch back the the Amazon Prime uh, documentary, the test. It, Justin Langer was a tough guy to work for, but he was coming in in a state of test cricket where you had sandpaper gate, and it was a probably a nightmare to be a part of that setup to try and galvanise folks to try and get them over what had just happened. Uh, one of the more questionable things that had happened in Australia cr- in cricket for for a long time. So that's a that's a brilliant point. Uh, probably. I'll be I'll be I'll be interested to see if that's a point of his legacy that people remember and recall. Actually, yeah, I I think that is when you're thinking about Finch, you're gonna think Finch the captain before you think Finch the yeah. batsman. A hundred percent. Just particularly any time you you can retire as a a sort of World Cup winning captain and you've bought your your country a trophy like with the T Twenty World Cup. It's sort of just going to be a big, big tick on the resume whenever it gets looked back on because there's there's only a certain amount. Yeah, that's right. So, so th- as a result, his captaincy will be crucial in this upcoming World Cup because um, don't want to be rude, but we wouldn't be relying on his batting. <laughs> You'd hopefully be putting those contingencies in place. We're not relying on his batting, but we're relying on the fact that he's a he's a pillar of strength for the rest of the the, the guys in the squad. For this upcoming World Cup. So just just on that point, so to be clear, he's retired from captaining and captaining in ODIs. Do we agree that we think after the T Twenty World Cup that he hangs up the captaincy band or retires then too? Yeah, right. So we're we're all we're all nodding. We're all. I, al- in I almost thought that was a given, but yeah. clearly I maybe maybe have no, my I, facts I, wrong. I, I think but. I mean I think there's so much T Twenty cricket that feasibly he could he could. But I, I don't think it makes makes sense to have three different captains across three different forms generally. But mm. it, how how then do you think this kind of impacts? The, do, do you think this has any impact on the, the the Aussie squad going into the World Cup, the T Twenty World Cup? Mm, I think no. internally they know it's probably the last hurrah for a good chunk of this generation of the T20 side in particular. Like I think Matty Wade's already said that he's retiring from international cricket after the series. Finch is probably going to be in the same boat. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw someone like maybe a Steve Smith hang up T20s mm. after the World Cup. Interesting. Um, I think going coming out of this World Cup and moving into the next World Cup cycle, I would expect to see a pretty big generational change yeah. in the um yep. it, well in both sides to be honest the the one day side will hang together for a little bit longer obviously with the with the exception of finchy uh with the the one day world cup coming up but uh i think that this particularly being in australia 
and if they make the final, it's played at the MCG. It's his home ground. I think it's just an absolute Monty that uh, he'll hang the boots up after the World Cup and hopefully he's doing it. He sort of hangs them up while he's holding the, the trophy up again. Trophy, yeah. I mean, I really want Australia to win it, but again, uh, who knows? But that's predictions, right? Yeah. I, and It'd be great for Finch. It'd be great for him. I, and as, we, as you kind of allude to that transition into a new era, era for Aussie T20 cricket, who who's going to be the captain? Who's coming in? That's that's a tricky one because I actually think we might end up with three captains in three formats. Well, maybe not in the immediate short term, because um, my gut feel is Maxwell. Okay. I think it's Maxwell with maybe an outside chance of a Mitchell Marsh yeah. in the limited over stuff, but I think it's only going to be a short term arrangement. The um. um What's the age of Maxwell versus just, Mitchell Marsh? I was just thinking that. Yeah. Longevity, right? Um, continuity. Um, I, I suspect uh, Maxwell's uh, a few more years on from Marsh, though, right? Yeah, I think Marsh is 30, Ma- Max is 34. Yeah. The particular thinking just of the one-day squad, and I'm probably going to show a little bit of my South Australian parochialism here. The two that have been thrown up from what are in the side, you've got Alex Carey, SA boy. You've got Glenn Maxwell. Yeah. They're talking about maybe Dave Warner, Steve Smith. I'm probably just thinking of a, a bit of a generational change. I would yeah. probably steer away from either of those. But even those would both just be a short-term solution. I think the man who comes in and replaces Finch at the top of the order is Travis Head. And I think if he, if someone like Maxwell, or even if it was Warner or Smith, take the captaincy, it's a one, two year thing, get through the World Cup and then hand over the reins to Trav. He's he's the youngest captain in Sheffield Shield history or something like that. He's been the Australian test vice captain. And admittedly, the one day format is probably his best format. Yeah. Like, is, um, Even though Spain tests cricket really well, least opportunity and yeah, well he he's uh, he's, he's good, shown yeah. that he can grow into into the big moments as well mm. and and like you said, Arnie, I mean he his test form has been on fire for the last kind of twelve ish longer longer months. Um, but you're right, I, I, he's been phenomenal a short term or short over. Uh, uh, yeah. Months, yeah. No, I agree with that, especially with those extra facts that you always inevitably throw in, which educate me all the time, uh, Brett. Brett's, Brett's yeah, on, on, the I, ground, I on the ground getting the, the local level detail for us. He's probably uh, bowling bowling balls to these guys in the nets, <laughs> you know, and get, gets the inside scoop. So, um, but yeah, look, uh, obviously I don't, I, I didn't know that much about Head's, um, uh, Travis Head's uh, um, sort of captaincy uh, background, but Look, uh, yeah, I fully would support that. I mean, he's he's one of the young guys. He's respected by all his teammates. Um, and you're right, young. guys like Marsh. Sorry? So when we say young, I think he's 27 now. Like, it's snuck up pretty quickly that he's not this 23-year-old Spring chicken. Kid. Yeah. Just starting out his international career. He looks young. 
I think he's 26 or 27. But yeah. sort of, he, yeah, captains, captain the Redbacks in the Sheffield Shield, which they haven't won anything, but he's still had to do it. Probably been a hard side <laughs> to captain because they've probably only had, at some stages, five or six players that were capable of playing any sort of decent cricket. <laughs> Um, that's when they need to bring in the Atco Cricket Club, mate. Yeah, that's right. The uh, yeah, captain the Redbacks one day side, so captain the Adelaide Strikers, was the yeah was originally named the vice captain um, of the Australian side. I think he's been named vice captain of the Australian side twice in two like two different occasions. Um, okay. With the with the break coming in from when he got dropped. But um, I just think. So you're saying, so Brett, you're saying he could probably just walk straight into the captaincy role for maybe like for example the T20 side because I mean I'd love to see someone like a Maxwell or like play a transitional role, but yeah. as captain, but but he could potentially just walk straight in because he's captain T20 squads before, so why not? You know, he he could. The only reason I would perhaps go with the transitional role is just because like Craig, I don't particularly want three captains in three formats. Mm. If someone like Maxwell or Mitch Marsh has to take it for two years to kind of shepherd through the, the one day side through the world cup and out the other side of that before it gets handed over. So be it. Mm. But, um, I think if you're looking for a longer term solution, which Australia tend to with their their captains, I think yeah, that'd be a getting um one second. The dog's just hearing nails just walking all the way up the, the hallway there making a racket. Um We can't hear that by the way. I can't hear that. Yeah, so can't you know, you? Bloody loud here. You can't hear it. Can't hear it. Okay. Well that's good to know. Um but yeah, I think I'd be giving him a year or two to just to genuinely cement his spot in the side before I hand it over. Like I, I, as much as I think he could do the job, I just don't think you want to bring him in. Go, okay, you're now the captain of the T20 side. You're now the captain of the one day side. There's a World Cup in ten months, and you've also got to cement your spot yeah. opening the bag yeah, again. You don't want to burn him out. Uh, and, 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 and you're fundamental in the middle order of the of the test team. Yeah, it's a, it seems yeah. like <laughs> okay. Well, we're we're just just over the hour mark. So why don't we why don't we move to kind of wrap up this pod with our sixes and outs of the week? So um, on the podcast here, we always do a six of the week, which is something that we thought was great this week, and then an out of the week, which is something which has uh, had a little bit of a maybe melancholy side to it, or we were disappointed in. So um, Brett, I'm going to throw it over to you, saying as you're on a roll. Uh, for your six and outs of the week. All righty. So I'll start off with the out this time because it's. Uh, I want to finish on a little bit of a lighter note, but uh, just talking to a few people during the week, we got to talking about the potential for a truly global T20 league. And one of the biggest sticking points in that is the the fractured relationship with India and Pakistan and where I don't think we're ever going to see a scenario where we get either the Pakistani players playing in the IPL, but the BCCI, I don't think are ever going to release their, their genuine stars to play in another T20 competition either. 
so that's kind of my out of the week is a sort of politics in sport and politics sort of robbing the viewer and robbing the fans of uh, the potential to see, I guess, a a global franchise competition. The UAE T20 that's starting up this year would be perfect for it because I think they they have something like nine or ten internationals per side anyway. And like something like that would be perfect to to potentially have the first truly global T20 franchise come and just get the absolute best of the best playing against each other. Yeah, that that is disappointing. And um, when you look at was it Sussex who managed to get Pujara and Rizwan for their county cricket game, it it can totally work. It can. I mean, it, it's great to see and it'd be fantastic to watch, but. Yeah, I, I I would be pessimistic in in my eyes in that as well. But anyway, and what about yeah, your your yeah. six of the week? Yeah, my six, and you reminded me just as we were about to sort of come on the air. My six of the week is the Barbados Royals in the the CPL, and it's not because they're currently fairly well dominating the competition, the first team to have uh, qualified for the finals there. It is the fact, purely the fact that they are happy to play Rakeem Cornwall and Azam Khan in the same side. As a somewhat overweight cricketer, I genuinely appreciate the uh, looking, watching on TV and just seeing these absolute big units getting around, bowling a little off spin, trying to hit bombs and sort of otherwise being not much use in the field. Like... But uh, yeah, just that—that's my <laughs> sixth of the week because uh, I genuinely enjoy watching it. <laughs> it just shows you that all shapes and sizes, and you can still be number one, mate. One hundred percent. We'll have to. We'll have to do a, a top ten of lo- maybe large or big. The Brett's top <laughs> big ten units. big units of all time. <laughs> <laughs> big units of all time. Okay, that'd be an excellent list. top ten. <laughs> uh, you reckon it's going to be a big list or a smallish list? <laughs> A big unit list uh, for a big unit team. Or more spring to mind straight away. We might save that for a different pod. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, thanks for that. Uh, good, good laugh, uh, Artie. What about you? What are your your six nights? Um, so the out, I would say, um, and I think I spoke to you guys uh, offline very quickly about it, is um, that uh, this recent Legends series where you've got, um, well, literally legends from all, all different um, countries. They all got together and played the, uh, with the what's that called? The Road Safety uh, Cricket Series. Um, and um, that, that one example, I wish we had some video footage, but that one example of uh, Russell Arnold doing his hammy in the Legends game, I guess well, what I'm thinking here is it's great to bring these guys back for maybe a, a very shortened form, maybe 5-0 or 10-over match. Um, because uh, all these broken bodies are like hobbling around and killing around, and you've got all different levels of fitness as well, and exact and same sort of point. Different, you got big units playing that that probably recently weren't big units, right? When they were in their prime. So uh, a lot of these broken bodies would literally be saying, "WTF? What are you doing to my body?" And you're not just giving me, uh, you know, a couple of overs. You give me a full twenty overs of this. What the hell are you doing to me? So that's kind of like my out of the week more it's probably more from a hilarious hilarious point of view but i'm just thinking these poor guys are literally not only damaging their bodies um but i think it could be permanent damage 
to their bodies for the rest of their uh, rest of their lives. So it's a bit of the out for me. They don't have the physio in the back anymore. They, they they've lost that. No team doctors and perhaps no no psychologists either. It's just like, mate, you, you guys are going to have to live with it. Just going to live with this one. Yeah, I don't even know if they get paid well. So anyway, they're doing it for the love of cricket. So that's the main thing. Um, and my six will uh, probably be, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but it was on the back of, remember when I was still in uh, quarantine, I think I have mentioned it, but if I haven't, I just want to make absolute sure of it. The six of the week is I have... Plenty of underwear stock that I will never run out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again just so there's no question of doubt. I, I have enough to run a small shop now, so um, all good. Um, but I, again, we alluded to it, but my six of the week is I really, really enjoyed the Asia Cup. So I just want to give a general shout out to the whole Asia Cup itself. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact that Hong Kong made the, uh, the cup itself. And again, a massive shout out for again a massive revelation to me, the Sri Lankans who are the champions. So that was my my six of the week. But it was the Asia Cup itself. I really enjoyed that series. Asia Cup and underwear, two things that I never thought I'd hear in the same sentence, but are both equally important uh, for this podcast in particular. Uh, well, right, one thanks. of them is probably particularly more important yeah. to me <laughs> it's than good anybody we, else. It's but good yeah. that we recorded this virtually because if we were in person, we might not have had you on for the last couple of weeks with your your dilemmas, but. Um, okay, I'll move on to mine. On six of the week, uh, the England cricket team landed in Pakistan this time, this uh, year or this week, for the first time in seventeen years. So it's first time in seventeen years. Much like Australia had earlier this year, they will have a uh, an ODR. I think it's a T Twenty series in Pakistan before the World Cup, and then they'll come back for a Test series. So, um, Brett, in terms of your out of the week being kind of politics and cricket, there is light at the end of the tunnel in some regards with the the safety concerns of Pakistan and the board's been able to agree on tours to Pakistan again. So that that's my six of the week. It's great to see that. Um, and then my out of the week is, um, and Arnie, I'm going to have to apologize to you because you strike me as a big fan of this individual. My, uh, my out of the week is Janet Jackson, um, who, uh, you know, this is a little bit of an old story from August, but uh, Arnie's looking very confused as I'm wondering why I, he strikes me as a Janet Jackson fan. But uh, this is bizarre. There, there was a, a, a Microsoft release, a weekly blog, um, and their company engineer, a guy called Raymond Chen, revealed that there was an unexplained uh, kind of crashing or uh, malfunctioning of uh, laptops through the early uh, 90s. And it wasn't limited to just, um, well, they, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. But as they kind of like put the stories together for various users that were uh, logging tickets and emailing, they found that quite often the issue was happening whenever Janet Jackson's 1989 hit Rhythm Nation was playing. And it wouldn't only crash the laptop that it was playing on, but it would crash nearby laptops. So it seemed like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation was the Y2K bug that we never got. Um, but after some some uh, investigation, they realized that the song inclu included a natural resonant frequency, which for, like me, I had no fucking clue what that was, so I had to go look it up. It essentially is a, a sound frequency that makes objects kind of, kind of vibrate. And so that within that song, it was making hard drives vibrate. And so it would literally crash laptops that were anywhere near to Janet Jackson's uh, 1989 hit Rhythm Nation. So Arnie, I apologize. I know that's probably a, a massive hit of you, but um, they had to they had to uh, resolve the issue by uh, hard coding a a fix for these hard drives are in in laptops and 
he sees going forward to kind of prevent that frequency being emitted from the laptops. So that Microsoft revealed that what twenty years later, maybe more, thirty years later, um, uh, as a as a bug. And I thought that was out of, that was my out of the week. But they threw Janet Jackson right under the bus. Um, that was my out of the week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So <laughs> any 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 any. Any comeback on, do you want to fight Janet Jackson's corner there, Arnie? No, no, <laughs> not at all. I, I'm actually lost for words. I, I, I'm not quite sure how that still links to me. I'm quite, quite literally scratching my head. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Brad, are you more of a Janet Jackson fan than Arnie? Yeah. Well, by the sounds of it, maybe. <laughs> I think it's genuinely uh, confused at potentially who she is. <laughs> It's right, like Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Yeah, that's Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, that's the one. Justin Timberlake. Um, okay, well, listen, guys. Why don't we wrap it up there with that uh, mass confusion? We will be back very shortly with another podcast. Um, if you're listening, God, I should have done this at the start. We're now on uh, podcast, so go into your usual place you get the podcast, whether that's Apple Podcast, whether that's Spotify, wherever that is. You can subscribe, and we get subscribed. It'll come right into your. Uh, onto your phone, onto your uh, your laptop, wherever you get it, so you'll never miss an episode. Isn't that wonderful? Beautiful, fantastic. You can carry us around in your pocket. That's 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 it. You can get all. You can get your updates on fish fillets, on Janet Jackson, on underwear. I mean, you will never have to miss yeah. any of those key updates anymore. <laughs> um, okay, right. Well, let's wrap it, up, wrap it up there, lads. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you. See you guys.